The Daily Rios, for Monday, November 19th, 2012. Because I have no idea what's in store tomorrow, Tuesday, November 20th, I'm going to present what would be Timeline Tuesday on today's episode, Timeline Monday, I guess. This is where I take a look at the comic industry, and uh, specifically comic books, and I go back 10 years, 25 years, and 50 years, and try to point out anything that catches my attention in terms of anniversaries, first appearances, um, new number ones, a title, or whatever, a publisher, creator, etc. And uh, I'll do that in terms of 10 years ago, 25 years ago, and 50 years ago as of the month of November. So these aren't necessarily cover dates whenever I talk about a comic or anything like that. They are actual dates, actual dates that these books came out, uh, November, the month of November. And then at the end, what I'll do is just hit on some birthdays and some other events that happen generally in November that don't necessarily have uh, a major anniversary. Some do, but um, I focus on 10, 25, and 50, um, mostly. So let's start right away in... 2002, this would be the 10-year anniversary for everything here. Uh, 10 years ago, Daredevil Target number one came out by Kevin Smith and Glenn Fabry, the one and only issue of that book that came out. High off of his run on, on Daredevil with Joe Quesada on the art for most of those issues, uh, Kevin Smith would then go on to do Daredevil Target. I remember them saying that that was going to wrap up a little bit in the movie in terms of the design for Bullseye. It mimicked some of what was going on with the Daredevil movie. And we got one issue, and that was it. And that was actually between the Daredevil series and then this miniseries, and then later uh, Spider-Man Black Cat and some other things. That would start the decline in Kevin Smith's... um, scheduling in terms of getting comics done. Uh, also 10 years ago, another Darkness volume started up, and perhaps volume 2, Paul Jenkins, Dale Keown, uh, and that lasted 24 issues. Also from Marvel, Eden's Trail. Marvel was doing a thing called Marvel Scope, where instead of reading your comics uh, vertically, you read them horizontally. You, you turned it on its side and you flipped the pages up and you read it like that. They did a couple annuals that way. And it was to give, I guess, a, a sort of landscape view of the artwork. And there was a book called Eden's Trail, Five Issues uh, by Steve Yu and Chuck Austin. Uh, ten years ago, Aquaman, who was killed during our world's at war during that event. He returned in JLA 75 at the conclusion of the Obsidian Age story, a story that uh, I kind of liked. I actually, I actually dug it. Uh, so he was back, Aquaman, and he came back with his... This one he came back with his water hand? I think so. I think so. Maybe he already had it. I don't remember. Um, from Image, a book called Tech Jacket came out 10 years ago, six issues. Uh, the number one issue came out, Image Comics. It was by Robert Kirkman and an artist named E.J. Sue. I don't know anything about it. I know some of his earlier works include Battle Pope and some other comics, but I, I don't know if I ever heard Tech Jacket listed as one of Robert Kirkman's earliest works. So uh, that came out 10 years ago. And then 
10 years ago, the first issue of Truth, Red, White, and Blue, the first issue of a seven-issue miniseries by Robert Morales and Kyle Baker, featuring the quote-unquote true story of the origins behind Captain America and the Super Soldier Serum set against, uh, you know, the post-Pearl Harbor days of World War II and featuring mostly a African-American cast. And this had a lot of controversy when this came out. A lot of people thought they were going to um, say that the first Captain America wasn't a, a white man, it was a black man. And when you read the story, it actually uh, worked out that Steve Rogers was given the super soldier serum. And then in an effort to try to create, recreate the super soldier serum, they had all these experiments and they used a group of African-Americans instead. And this is where we get the character of um, Isaiah Bradley and Josiah X, his son, and then eventually on down to the grandson of this Captain America patriot from Young Avengers. Now, initially, the story was meant to be told out of continuity, and it was meant to be that the first Captain America would have been an African-American. But because they wrapped it up in continuity, and they set it after the events of Pearl Harbor, uh, the first issue of Captain America takes place, the actual first issue of Captain America takes place before Pearl Harbor, so uh, there was a Captain America before the story existed, and then they... Uh, then they proceeded to tell the story. Now, I, personally, I think the original way they wanted to do it would have been quite appropriate and quite realistic, um, but they decided to change it up, and got we got truth instead, the way it was, uh, the way it actually played out. I enjoyed the series actually. Uh, we read it as a book of the month over on Comic Geek Speak, and I thought it was a great presentation, a great way to tell a new part of Marvel history without changing anything. And the title, Truth, is very reminiscent of Marvel was doing those one-word titles, um, Origin, for Wolverine's Origin. I think they tried to redo Punisher, and they called it Born. Um, I liked it. Uh, truth, Origin, Born. It, it, there's something kind of catchy about that. So, first issue came out 10 years ago. Let's jump to 25 years ago. This would be 1987. A bunch of things to look at. We have DC putting out the six-issue miniseries of Star Trek The Next Generation, which I believe was the first time it was put into comic books. I could be wrong about that. Uh, 25 years ago, Batman 417, Ten Nights of the Beast, was a storyline by Jim Starlin and Jim Oparo that introduced the villain known as KG Beast in 1987, November of 1987. The first volume of American Flag came to an end with issue 50 uh, by Howard Chaikin with art by Mike, Mike Vosberg. And in November of 1987, Captain Adam number 12 came out, which was the first appearance of Major Force. Uncanny X-Men 227 was the end of Fall of the Mutants. This is where they sacrificed themselves to fight the adversary and close the was it the Siege Perilous, I think? Um, and they decided to sacrifice themselves, but then they were brought back to life, uh, but decided to let everyone think that they were dead so that they could fight on without all the trappings of, uh, uh, of mutant um, racism and 
having the populace hate them, they could just work on their own uh, with everyone thinking they were dead. So that happened in Uncanny X-Men 227. There were some tie-ins, too, in this month uh, from with some other issues. Uh, I think there was a, a Daredevil Fall of the Mutants tie-in, tie which was weird. Um, uh, there might have been maybe an Iron Man one and a Captain America. So there were some tie-ins uh, beyond the X-Universe. We have... Blackhawk Blood and Iron was the first of a three-issue prestige format miniseries bringing Blackhawk into the post-crisis universe, uh, DC universe, and this was by Howard Chaikin, again, both writer and artist this time. This miniseries took advantage of the format that was made popular by Dark Knight Returns, and it was much more adult than probably anybody thought Blackhawk could ever be. Uh, this would eventually... Now, before this, Dark Knight Returns had come out, so had Longbow Hunters. And then after this, Hawk World would come out, Fall of Adam Strange, and others. And I don't know if anybody's read... It's The first chapter was called Blood and Iron, and I believe the whole thing is now called Black Hawk Blood and Iron, if it's in a trade or whatever. Um, I don't know if anybody's read it. It's good. It's it's super dense. It's, you know... Howard Chaykin take, taking full advantage of what it means to be a black hawk and, and you know it's 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 dense it's right off of his work of american flag and it and a lot of people say that uh, uh the two are very similar especially when you read this black hawk miniseries uh we have from epic the graphic novel the death of Gru by mark evanier and sergio aragonis uh doom patrol six uh from his short-lived run on independent comics and also a short run uh, on the Outsider series from DC comes Eric Larson to take over interiors and cover from Steve Lytle on Doom Patrol. This is the volume that would eventually become Grant Morrison's Doom Patrol uh, around issue 19. Uh, Millennium ended this month and perhaps the biggie 25 years ago November Amazing Spider-Man 298 after a run on Incredible Hulk under Peter David, Todd McFarlane comes to the Amazing Spider-Man issue uh, uh, title leading up to issue 300, which would introduce Venom. So that's pretty important. 50 years ago, 1962, Detective Comics 311, first appearance of Tom Blake, who's better known as the Catman. In a story called Challenge of the Catman by Bill Finger and Jim Mooney. This is the same Catman that you would see in Villains United and Secret Six under Gail Simone, uh, you know, most recently in the past you know, five years or so. Uh, so he appeared 50 years ago in November. Also 50 years ago in November, Fantastic Four number 11, first appearance of The Impossible Man by Stanley and Jack Kirby. The Impossible Man, a member of the alien race known as Popupians <laughs> from planet Popup. Uh, he was a green-skinned, shape-shifting, mixopidalic-type character that would, uh, you know, cause the Fantastic Four trouble and eventually the Marvel Universe. I first remember him from an X-Men annual, number seven in the 80s, uh, by Chris Claremont and uh, Michael Golden, I think, was on there, Brett Bell Blevins. Um... Uh, he was up against the X-Men, and he was doing like a scavenger hunt, and he was going around and collecting various 
bits of the Marvel Universe and the DC Universe and also Star Wars, I think. I think the, he got the Millennium Falcon in that issue. Uh, so that's where I first remember him from. Uh, but yes, 50 years ago, Fantastic Four 11, uh, the first appearance of the Impossible Man. And finally, uh, as in terms of the anniversaries, Superman 158 is the first time that Superman and Jimmy Olsen, while they were in Candor, in a story by Ed Hamilton and Kurt Swan, it was the first time they donned the identities and costumes of Nightwing and Flamebird, which is a duo that still exists, uh, at least in terms of, what, the James Robinson Superman stuff, um, all around um, the War of the Superman and... Uh, Superman going to Kandor when they blew it up and or you know enlarged it and put it on another planet like New Krypton. Yeah, that was it. The world of New Krypton and all that. Um, and then there, you know, that still exists to this day. And then obviously Nightwing and Flamebird. Nightwing uh, was an was the identity that Dick Grayson took over, and he even referenced this was pre-crisis. He referenced that Superman used that name, and in an interesting twist. The Golden Age Batgirl, not Barbara Gordon, but the Golden Age Batgirl or the Silver Age Batgirl, if you want to look at because uh, she also blended into the Silver Age, who used to run around with Batwoman back in the day. She became a member of Teen Titans West in the 70s, and she was known as Batgirl um, with, a, with a dash. And she was in love with Robin, and she sort of costumed her colored her costume uh, reminiscent of Robin's colors of, of yellow and red and green. And post-crisis, because there couldn't be a Batgirl, she decided to call herself Flamebird. She wasn't a Batgirl. She was oh, she had always been Flamebird. So uh, it's a nice little homage to the Nightwing Flamebird duo in the Superman books. And because Dick Grayson took on Nightwing and this woman, uh, Bet Bet Kane, Betty Kane, she was in love with, uh, you know, Robin and Dick Grayson. And Nightwing, she decided to name herself Flamebird. And she had a costume that had flames on it. And, you know, it got tweaked a bunch of times. Um, I don't even know. I, I think she appeared in Batwoman, maybe even post-Flashpoint. So in the new 52, I think. Uh, so that is uh, where that character came from. So Nightwing and Flamebird. We have some other, just some other dates here all through November. November 2nd, 1927, Steve Ditko was born. November 7th, 1975, the new original Wonder Woman ABTC, uh, ABC TV series premiered with Linda Carter. November 10th, 1960, Neil Gaiman was born. November 10th of 2004, the book called Avengers Finale came out, which closed the Avengers series, paving the way for New Avengers by Brian Michael Bendis. So that was in 2004 that he took over the Avengers line. November 17th, 1965, Ron Mars was born. November 17th of 2001, the JLA cartoon debuted on Cartoon Network with the first episode called Secret Origins. November 18, 1953, Alan Moore was born. November 18 of 1992, 20 years ago, Superman, 75, Superman dies at the hands of Doomsday. Forever changing the hyped event concept for comics. Uh, November 21st, 1953, Greg Theakston was born. He was a frequent 
um, Inker over Jack Kirby in the later days. Uh, November 24th, 1916, Forrest James Ackerman was born, who was a... Probably he is the first uh, comic fanboy. You can look at it like that. Not only comics fanboy, but science fiction fanboy and convention fanboy. I mean, he has a huge history in terms of comic books. And if you don't know who he is, go check it out because um, we all owe a lot to Forrest James Ackerman. November 25th, 1950, Chris Claremont was born. November 26th, 1922, Charles Schultz was born. November 27th, 1970, uh, Humberto Ramos was born. November 30th, 1952, Keith Giffen was born. And as I alluded to in the top of the episode, tomorrow, November 20th, uh, a number of years ago, I will say, I was born. <laughs> and uh, that means tomorrow's episode, I'm not quite sure what it's going to be. I have some ideas. I hope I get them out in enough time. Uh, you may not see that episode. Maybe you'll see that episode before the end of the day. Maybe not. I'm, I'm going by Hawaii time. So Hawaii is six hours uh, behind the East Coast. So by... Uh, 6 a.m. Wednesday morning, if I put out the episode, it's it's still good. <laughs> um, but yes, I decided to throw that in there. And that's why I did the time, what I normally do, Timeline Tuesday. That's why I did it today, so I can get it out of the way, just in case I have a little too much fun tomorrow, and uh, I don't try to wait and do this tomorrow. But uh, yeah, so that's uh, that's what's going on. It is Thanksgiving this week. So you're still going to get uh, an episode on Thanksgiving. You're going to get a, a you know, you're, you're getting the Daily Rios five times this week. It is the beginning of a new week. So hopefully everyone's getting ready for the holidays. Be safe. Please be safe. Especially in, on the, if you're driving or traveling or on the stupid holiday known as Black Friday. Don't get trampled. That's it for today's episode. Peter at the DailyRios.com. I will talk to you tomorrow. <laughs>